this celebration is for the Lord this morning. And we are blessed and honored to be part of that. Whether you're watching us online or whether you're here this morning with us, let's stand together. For God so loved the world that he gave up everything that we would have life. So come all you weary. Come all you thirsty.
That's why we're here today, brothers and sisters, to magnify the Lord. Amen. When the angel came to Mary and told her what was going to happen, that she would bring forth the Christ child, she said, my soul will magnify the Lord. She didn't look at the adversity. She didn't look at the waves or the wind. She magnified the Lord. And as the song just said, it gives you strength. You won't be afraid. You can do the things in life that you need to do if we keep our focus on Jesus. Amen? Praise God. Come on, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Hallelujah to King Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Our mighty King, wonderful Counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince, Prince of Peace. That's Him. And let's see what the Word of God has to say pertaining to God's promises to us through Abraham to encourage and strengthen us. From Genesis 15, verse 1 through 6, wonderful words of assurance. After these things, the word of the Lord came into Abraham in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Folks, God is our shield. Praise God. And Abraham said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me? Seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed. And lo, one born of my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord and he counted it unto him for righteousness. Do you believe in the Lord, brothers and sisters? Hallelujah. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And he's given us the blood-bought right to come boldly before the throne of grace where he said we can obtain mercy and find grace to help in times of need. Do you have a need? I do. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, first of all, right off the bat, Lord, we love you. Christ, we adore thee. We came here to lift up the name of Jesus today, to magnify the Lord in every thought, in every word, every deed. Father, let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart, may they be acceptable in thy sight, dear God. For you, Lord, alone are our strength and our redeemer. We need to be reminded of that, dear God. You are strengthening us. You are protecting us. You are promising your word. You will cover us with your feathers so that under your holy wings we can trust that your truth will be our shield and our buckler. And we need not be afraid of the terror by night nor the arrows that fly by day, nor the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor the destruction that wasteth at noonday. Father, you got us covered. Back, front, top, bottom, sides. We are covered by your precious angels who bear us up in their hands today. And Lord, we just want to say thank you. 
We want to give you recognition for all that you've done and all that you're going to do. Lord, please keep us all safe from all hurt, harm, and danger, from enemies and evil, seen and unseen alike. Order our steps today, dear God, according to your word, your will, and your good pleasure. Bless every person who walked in through those doors today, who thought of not robbery, to come boldly before you, dear God, today in your house of love, prayer, and sanctuary, and lift up holy hands. What an honor. To those who are at home, Lord, may they do likewise and receive the same promise, the same blessings. For in your presence, your word says, is fullness of joy. At your right hand are blessings, pleasures forevermore. And you said, I will show you the pathways of life. Just stay in my presence. Thank you, dear God, for the honor, for the privilege. Lord, we have to ask you, take away the anger, the hatred, the evil in this world, especially in America. Take away racism, dear God. Take away COVID, dear God. Lord, forgive us of all our sins. We're so sorry that we have offended you. We love you. And we thank you, dear God, for loving us first. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Church, can we say amen? And amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hey, CTC family. I'm Chrissy, and here's this week's news. In the coming weeks, we will be rolling out a brand new website. We are excited about having the chance to keep you and our community better informed about the things going on at CTC and ways to get involved. With the new site, there will be a new way to connect. Our site address will be ctcde.church. We will also have a new way to connect to our online campus. You will access that by going to ctcde.online.church. This will make it easier to chat and let us know if you make a decision for Christ or need prayer. We are excited about the opening of our brand new Welcome Center in the mall at the Bear Campus. If you are new, we invite you to stop in and meet some of our staff and receive a free gift. You can also find out information about the ministries of CTC and see how you can get involved in serving. This year, the Ministry of Angel Tree is entirely online. You will go to their website and enter our church's access code. You will be able to choose a virtual tag, and for a $22 donation, you will be able to bless a child and let them know they are loved. You can get access to the Angel Tree site as well as our access code by visiting our website. In addition, our tree in the mall at the Bear Campus has tags with names of children from a local family that we want to bless this Christmas season. For more information on these and other events, visit our website at ctcde.net or go to our Facebook page. If you need prayer, you can call the church office at 302-836-2862 or text us at 888-344-1022. You can also email us at prayer at ctcde.net. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. God bless you and have a great week. Good morning, everyone. Great to see all of you here this morning. So glad that you chose to be with us, whether you're online or here in the room. Uh, I welcome you in the name of Jesus Christ as we gather together to worship him, 
to lift up the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give ourselves to him. It's one of the things that we do here at Christ, the cornerstone as we love God, love others, serve God and serve others in the name of Jesus Christ and engage the world with this message, this good news that Jesus Christ is Lord and he changes our lives. And I'm so glad you chose to be with us uh, this this morning. We, you heard some of the announcements about the angel tree. We have uh, another family that we are helping out, and especially if you're here in the room today, there's a Christmas tree out in our mall area that has some tags on it that are some ways that you can help out a family, a local family. So if you're willing to help out another family, grab one of those tags off the tree and follow the instructions on that and bring the gifts back, and uh, we can help out that family in a good way. It's part of the way we serve others in this way, just a small way. We do many other things at Christ the Cornerstone, and, and uh, but I'm so proud of the way and glad and celebrate the ways all of you uh, give back to God. And it, you're faithful in doing that, and it shows your trust in God. I want to remind you also to fill out one of the Connect cards. If you're online, go to ctcde.net and fill out a Connect card. Uh, it's real easy to do. It lets us know that you are watching us today. It has a space there. Scroll down. You can fill out a prayer request online and let us know what's going on in your life. We certainly will pray with you, pray for you throughout the week. So go uh, fill out a Connect card. If you're in the room, I want you to take out the Connect card that's inside the envelope on your seat or on the table. Fill it out. Again, this is a way that we connect with each other and connect with God. It's so important, especially during this season when we're separated and isolated from others, for us to stay connected with each other, and uh, I've been sending out cards to people throughout the week, uh, letting them know that I'm praying for you, and Pastor Vaughn is always there, uh, and others uh, in our church are ministering to one another. Our small groups are here so that we can minister to each other, even when we're uh, not able to meet together. So you need to take the opportunity that you have to reach out to others and be connected, and these Connect cards are one of the ways that we do that together, so I ask you to fill that out. Also, uh, the giving envelope uh, that we have here, or you can give online also at ctcde.net. Uh, be generous, as you always have been, and uh, thank you for the ministries that we can engage in because of your generosity. Just having a conversation this morning uh, about helping others and uh, go to um, on mission trips and things like that, and uh, hopefully we'll be giving you some more information about that. But it's because everybody is generous, and, and out of all, the, every Sunday we set aside 10% of what we receive to help others in a variety of ways, and we do that in so many ways here, and uh, we thank you for that. So uh, fill out the prayer requests, fill out the Connect card, uh, uh, put, put your money, uh, your offering in the envelope if you're here, or go online uh, to give your offering. Uh, Let's continue to worship God as the team leads us in music. If you're here, uh, please, I invite you to stand with us. And one more thing, today is Communion Sunday, so I want to invite you, if you're at home, to go get some some juice, some wine, some bread, and we'll have communion together this morning. Let's worship God as the team leads.
many of us know that darkness can't live where there's light and Jesus is the light of the world he is our hope our salvation let's magnify the Lord today can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise so now we're going to um, pray we're going to lift our eyes to the hills from whence cometh our help let us pray dear heavenly father we thank you we thank you for this day we thank you for loving us we thank you father for every mountain that you've seen us through for every trial that you've taken us over for every temptation that through your power We've had the strength to overcome. We thank you, Father God, for the members of our congregation that are experiencing sickness, Father. We ask that in the name of Jesus, you restore them from their sickbed. And as you're restoring them, Father, we ask that you provide comfort and peace and assurance that no matter What happens to our physical bodies, you have prepared eternity for us. And we thank you for that today. Father, we ask that as we turn our minds toward you, because it's preaching time, we ask that you give us ears that hear and let the word sink deep into our hearts. We ask that you transform our minds, that you renew it. 
we ask that the word penetrate our heart and changes it and turns us towards you, Father, because we love you so much. And we recognize that without you, we can do nothing. And that with you, we are more than conquerors. So we thank you for that, Father. We thank you for your son whom you sent to die at Calvary's cross and rise again from the dead so that we can be reconciled from you. But we understand that as Pastor Vaughn was reading from the book of Genesis today, that's where that began, drawing us to you by the creation of Adam and Eve and placing them in that perfect garden. Father, that was designed so that you could draw mankind to you. But through our sin, through our disobedience, we broke it. And you didn't just say, oh, well, it's over. You gave us a second chance. You sent your son. So we thank you. Because of him, we are reconciled to you. And, Father, we ask that you bless the messenger, our pastor, the shepherd that you sent, so that as we follow him, as he follows you, we can just go out and tell the world all the good things that you do and your message of salvation. So bless the word, dear Lord. Bless the hearers of the word, and please send your spirit to bless the sender of the word, our pastor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. God's word this morning, you know, it's always humbling to bring uh, the message that God has for us today, and uh, that's a good, that's a good thing. Is that right? That works. That'll work. <laughs> see it online. See it on the screen. We've been say, we've been saying, as the Apostle Paul says throughout this series, uh, we've been saying, all for good. And we know that that those verses from the book of Romans, chapter uh, chapter 8, verse 28, God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called to his purposes. But when, when will we see these things happen? How long do we have to wait? And why do we have to wait, sometimes for a very long time, for, to see the good that God is bringing through these experiences? The answer is because as human beings, we must learn how to wait. That's not a very nice message to say. I'm sorry to bring you bad news, but we have got to learn how to wait because we have to. God has placed us as human beings in a world where, where time is a real thing. And there's a sequence, and everything in our realm can't happen all at the same time. In God's world, there is no time. So God's looking at all these things, and God is saying, well, there's, there's no time, but in our human realm, 
we have a thing called time. And everything doesn't happen all at once. Learning to wait is an essential task for a joyful life. Jesus came so that we can have life and have it abundantly. An abundant life requires us to learn to wait. The sooner we learn to wait, the sooner we can experience God's presence and joy while we're waiting. We don't. It's not that God wants us to have joy after all these things have passed. God wants us to live in the midst of all these things that we experience with joy. And he gives us that joy. And the sooner we learn that, the sooner we can learn how to experience God's joy in the midst of it, the sooner we'll experience God's abundant life here and now. I'm going to share some ideas about what we can do while we're waiting for God to do, which is one of the difficulties at Christmas, isn't it? Children frequently say, I can't wait for Christmas. Have you heard that? Have you said that, Colin? (laughs) I can't wait for Christmas. And parents also say, I can't wait for Christmas to get over. (laughs) And then somewhere around nine o'clock on Christmas morning, that feeling begins to set in again. After all the gifts have been unwrapped. You, and, and the children over, over here playing with a new toy. And some of the children have played with a new toy long enough to get bored with it already. <laughs> and we're looking at the mess and the papers all over. And I'm the, I'm the dad that says, when you unwrap the gift, put it in the bag. Right? Put the paper in the bag over here. But no, it just I'm that guy. Just got to look clean and nice. Sorry. Yeah, my family teases me too. Anyway. About 9 o'clock on Christmas morning, we sit in our living rooms, gifts all unwrapped, papers around, children busy with a new toy, if not bored with it already. And and they're asking the question, do we really have to wait a whole year for Christmas to come again? This Christmas isn't even over yet. Waiting is hard for us to do. Some of us are waiting for other things. Some of us are waiting for joy to return to us at Christmas time. Something's happened in our life and we're dreading Christmas. Some of us are waiting for God's healing to come to us. Some of us are waiting for sadness and grief to dissipate, to subside after the death of a loved one. So that we can experience at least not the overwhelming feeling of grief that keeps us from living life joyfully. I believe God is at work while we wait. God doesn't start working when the waiting is over. God is working through the waiting. And I believe that God has given us important work to do while we wait. And if we're willing to trust that God is working while we're waiting, then we will find joy that God, the joy that God promises us, even in the midst of the messiness of life. God is at work intending good for what evil has intended for harm in our lives. 
have a video that I want us to watch, a very short video of a soldier who, who is a, 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 a veteran of one of the Gulf Wars, or I suppose a, a war in Afghanistan. And it's what he is doing while he is waiting for good things to come out of what evil intended for harm. So let's take a moment and watch this brief video. I served in the U.S. Army from 2000 to 2015, and I had two deployments to Iraq and one to Afghanistan. And I saw a lot of things that no human should see. Crochet has been a positive way for me to deal with all of that. When people ask if I use patterns or like patterns or write patterns, I mean, I can. I like freeform because it gives me the freedom to create something completely unique and original. I like to add as many colors as I can. And as the colors change, it becomes something even more unique and beautiful, kind of like life. Can you imagine living in a world with one color? Everything is the same. We walk the same, talk the same, share the same ideas. No beauty, no originality. And that's why I served. And that's why I crochet. He is waiting. He's working. He's seeing, he's bringing goodness out of what evil meant for harm. And he's, he's, he has found a way for himself to deal with the things that he has seen that nobody should ever seen. But he's finding goodness in it. That is God working. He doesn't mention God. And I don't know if he has faith in God. But I'm still willing to say that God is working in his life to bring good through very difficult situations. So Learning how to wait is essential for our character, for our maturity, for what God wants to do in our lives. We've got to learn to wait. It's not easy. And our culture increasingly refuses to wait. Take a moment and consider something that you get annoyed with when it doesn't happen right away. And if you're watching online, go ahead and post something that annoys you. When, when you don't get it right away, I get annoyed. So here's my experience that I had last night. I preached this message at church last night. And, and one of the praise team members told me her own story of what happened after church, after hearing this message of learning to wait. So, so what happened to me last night, I was driving home. And to get home, I turn up 896 and turn right onto Old Porter Road or Porter Road and take it over. And it's got to cross Route 72 to get over to then 40. And I live up uh, in Salem Woods by on old Baltimore Pike. So I'm at the intersection of Porter Road and 72. The light is red and I pull up behind a car that's in front of me. The car in front of me is far enough back from the light that I think there are two cars in front of me. And so we sit there and we wait and we wait and we wait and there's no traffic coming from the other direction. There's no traffic waiting on the other side of the traffic light. There's nobody pulling up beside me in the left turning lane to get on one of those sensors that says there's, there's, there are cars waiting. And all of a sudden, I was there for about sitting about four, four minutes at least. And all of a sudden, the car in front of me inched forward about a foot. 
And I realized that there was no car in front of the car in front of me. And the car in front of me was far enough back so that they were not sitting on the sensor. So the traffic lights thought that there was no oncoming traffic. There was no reason to stop the traffic on 72. And here's my confession. As the light finally turned green, and I realized what I thought there were two cars and there was only one, and the car in front of me was not over the sensor. I got impatient, and I said, what an idiot. (laughs) I'm so sorry if that was you. Preacher's got to listen to his own sermon, right? I didn't learn how to wait, even after I just... And I recognized what I had just done last night. So I said, all right, God, I'm sorry. That person, Lord bless that person. Actually, it's right now that I'm saying, Lord bless that person. Sometimes it takes us some time to figure these things out. There was a day when we had to get money from a bank to go buy groceries at the grocery store. So we would drive to the bank or walk to the bank or take public transportation to the bank. We would we would go up to a counter and we would fill out a piece of paper. Then we would get in line and we would stand in line and we would go get to the teller and we would say, I want $200. Can you give it to me in tens, please, or whatever it might be? And so we wait while the teller counts out the money that we want and we get we go to the grocery store. We get our groceries. We get in line. We wait. And, you know, now it's all we expect it to be instant and we can't stand to get behind somebody that's got a whole bunch of groceries. And then even now we get behind somebody at one of those self checkout things and they're putting they're scanning their things. They're looking for the 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 scan label on it and they kind of push it across slowly and make sure it beeps. And then they look at the indicator to see, is that the right price? Yep, it is. And then they come over here and they got to put it in their bag and open up the bag and slowly put it in. And then they lift the bag up over here when they set it on the thing. And then they decide that, that, that oh, no, that's not I got to put something else. So they bring it. Then when they lift it up and the thing says, oh, no, they're an uh, unexpected item in the in baggage area, and it stops the whole process, and the light flashes, and we got to wait. You see how annoying we get when we have to wait for things? And how we, we used to wait all the time, but we don't even know how to wait now. And we're just sitting there, we're on our phones so that we don't give nasty glares at the person in front of us. I'm sorry, I probably revealed way too much about myself. If you see me in the grocery store, just come up to me and say, Hey, Pastor, calm down a little bit. It'll be okay. Anybody relate to what I'm saying, though? (laughs) Good. Joseph, in the story that we've been reading in the Bible, and we'll get to it, we'll get some more. Joseph waited many, many, many years before he was reconciled with his brothers. And we, we, we read part of the story, and I kind of brushed through the story last week about Joseph. Remember his his brother's threw him in a pit, and they sold him into slavery. Joseph was 18 years old. Do we have any 18-year-olds here? 19, got an 18-year-old over here. Pastor Vaughn is 18, 18 times. (laughs) Joseph was 18 years old. The Bible tells us that he was was healthy, he was strong, he was good-looking. 
He was well built, the Bible says. He was 18 years old, thrown into this pit. His brothers threw him, the 11 other brothers threw him in a pit and sold him into slavery. He was, sent, he was sold to, to a caravan of people on the way to Egypt, and he was sold to Potiphar and became in the service of Potiphar. While he was serving Potiphar, he was a servant in Potiphar's house because he was good-looking. Potiphar's wife looked at, him, at Joseph and said, hmm, you're kind of good-looking, and, and said, here, come, let's, let's sleep together. And Joseph says, no, we can't do that. But, but Potiphar's wife held on to his robe, and Joseph ran away. And so Potiphar's wife is holding Joseph's robe, and she yells, rape! Rape! And Joseph is in trouble for rape that he never did. And so he gets put in prison. We don't know how many years he was in prison, but God gave him dreams. And that was a talent. That was a skill that God gave to him that allowed him to to get out of prison because Pharaoh recognized that having somebody on my team who can interpret dreams is a good thing. So eventually... Joseph gets out of prison, but we don't know how many years. I expect that Joseph never imagined that he would ever, ever, ever see his family again. And I think that's very reasonable for us to expect that. So let's go. But that day comes. There's a famine. Joseph has risen to power in Egypt from having been in prison. Now Joseph is the governor He is in charge of administrating Pharaoh's affairs, his business. And so we go to Genesis chapter 50. And and this is kind of the key verse for what we're for our whole series this this month. Genesis chapter 50, verse 19 and 20 reads like this. Joseph finally sees his brothers and they they meet. And this is the very end. And this is the key verse for our whole series. But Joseph says, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? He says to his brothers, you have intended harm for me to me. But God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so that I could save many. I want us to focus in on this word intended. God You intended to harm me. You plotted. You planned. You intentionally worked to harm me. But God intended. God worked. God planned. God worked intentionally to bring good out of that. Here's the point that we need to focus on. God, in our waiting time, is working To change what somebody intended for harm to bring good out of it. That's what God is doing in our lives. And we need to let God do that work. And we need to trust that God is doing that work. The Hebrew understanding behind this word intend is the the same word that we would call weaving. In other words, what one person weaves for evil or for harm, God begins to weave into that and work to bring good out of that. And I want us to understand the work that it goes that goes into weaving. You understand where the clothing that you have on your back comes from, right? You didn't just go to the store and get it. We don't just 
have the things that we that we rely on. It takes work to get these things. I, I, you, I've told you about pe- my peanuts that I grew this this last summer, right? And I shared, I boiled some of them up, and I said, I just wanted boiled peanuts to share with you. And so, you know, here's 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 an example of how we don't understand what goes on behind the scenes of the things that we enjoy. So I, I grew some peanuts. I dug them up out of the ground. I put the peanuts in a bucket. I washed them off. But as I was doing that, I took a picture of of the peanuts that I was having, and I sent it to some of my friends and said, here's the process of of the the, uh, boiled peanuts. And so they're all dirty. I washed them off. I cooked them into cooked boiled peanuts. It takes a long time. And there's yes, there's dirt on your boiled peanuts. They stay in the shell. You don't eat the shell. You crack open the shell like normal and you eat the boiled peanuts on the inside. And yes, it's soft, kind of like a chickpea uh, texture. And that might not be very pleasant to some people. But so I, I brought the peanuts here and boiled peanuts and shared them a couple weeks ago and, and the staff. And I had some last night, I had some left over that, that I still got. And I enjoyed them. But I sent, when it, when it, that Saturday night, after I brought them to church, I sent home a cup full of boiled peanuts with Pastor Vaughn to take to his daughter, Maria. Now, if you know Maria, you can imagine her saying some of these, saying some of these things. And uh, so Maria, Pastor Vaughn took those home to his daughter, Maria, and, and she knew what they were. She, she looked into it. And I made sure that in that cup of boiled peanuts, I made sure to put some of that water in which they were boiled. And yes, the water is brown because the peanuts are brown, but the water is partly brown because there's still some dirt on the outside of those peanut shells. And it gets mixed. So they're really boiled in mud. <laughs> and I wanted to know what Maria thought about these boiled peanuts. And so I asked Pastor Vaughn. And, and, and so these are Pastor Vaughn's words about what Maria says. So if if I misquote Maria, it's really a misquoting Pastor Vaughn. So it's, it's on Pastor Vaughn. And the, 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 you see, just protecting myself. Because <laughs> that's what we do. And so I said, hey, Pastor Vaughn, what did Maria think about the boiled peanuts? He said, oh, I showed her the peanuts. And she looked at them and she said, I ain't eating those. They had dirt all over them. I don't know. A dog probably peed on that dirt. <laughs> She wasn't going to eat those things. Anyway, you know, they say don't, don't, don't inspect where your sausage is made, right? Things like that. Weaving, now back to weaving. Weaving is a time-consuming process. The person who's, who's you know, the, the, the wool, let's, let's say it's wool. That wool that you're wearing on your shirt or, or, or in your socks or in your dress or your coat was once growing on a sheep. And that sheep lived on a farm. And there was mud and dirt and manure and smelly things. And that, that sheep rolled around in that. That sheep walked through that. That sheep was out in the weather where it rained and and bumped up against other sheep. And there could have been fleas in that wool that you're wearing now and all kinds of dirty things. Now you're getting itchy. (laughs) And so and the farmer had to take at one time, the farmer took that sheep and grabbed. If you've ever, you know, it's fun to grab onto a sheep with its long hair or wool all over it because you can just grab right onto that and you can you can literally lift that sheep up by grabbing that wool it's so dense 
And the, the, the farmer took that and sheared that right down to nothing, right down to the, to the skin. And that, that sheep came out just naked. <laughs> and he's saying, it's cold out here now. And then somebody had to take that wool and straighten it out and wash it and clean it. And then they had to straighten it out even more so the fibers were all going in one direction. And then they had to spin it together. And, and then they had to take millions of those little threads that are made from millions of those little hairs or whatever they're called on the, on, on the sheep and spin them together and pack them together, some of them this way and this way and this way. And it took a long time for you to have that. And if it wasn't for industrial weaving machines... The clothes that you you pay a dollar for two dollars for some of us pay fifty dollars for it, but we go to the we can we can still go to a discount store and pay a very little amount of money for it so that it's affordable. If it wasn't for the great big machines that people invented and built, it would be extremely expensive for you to have those clothes that you've got that you take for granted. Waiting is part of life. And while we're waiting, we've got to be working. Joseph waited many years. And during that time while he was waiting, God was with him while he was waiting. And God is also with you while you are waiting. God is with you. Joseph knew this. He, he waited years before he met his family, and he actually thought he never would meet his family. But let's read about that time, the moment when he realizes he sees his brothers. And that's from Genesis chapter 45, verses 1 through 8. And so, Joseph, here they are, years later. Joseph thought he'd never see them again, but all of a sudden into the room, his brothers come, and they're coming to get feed. And they don't know that it's Joseph that has, the, that has the means to either give them food or withhold food from them. They have come to buy food so that their family doesn't die in the famine. And so we read verses uh, 1 through 8, chapter 45. Joseph, seeing his brothers, could stand it no longer. There were many people in the room, and he said to his attendants, Out, all of you, clear the room. So that he was alone with his brothers when he told them who he was. And then he broke down and wept. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians could hear him. And the word quickly carried to Pharaoh's palace. I'm Joseph, he said to his brothers. Is my father still alive? But his brothers were speechless. And they were stunned to realize that Joseph was standing there in front of them. Please come closer, he said. And he said again, I'm Joseph, your brother, whom you sold to slavery. (laughs) But don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who brought me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. This famine that has ravaged the land for two years will last five more years and there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive 
and to preserve many survivors. So it was God who sent me here, not you. And he is the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of his entire palace and governor of Egypt. God has done this. What was it about Joseph that caused him to keep his faith that while he was waiting, while he was imprisoned, while he was sold into slavery, while his brothers grabbed him and threw him into that pit, he had an understanding that God is still with me through all those things. And God is still with you through all these things. Trust it. Believe it. And while you wait. Three times when he sees his brother, three times he says, it was God who sent me. Verse 5. God has sent me ahead of you. Verse 7. So it was God who sent me here. Not you. And that not you, I think, is critical because it tells us that Joseph understands that if his brothers see them there, that they would blame themselves. I can imagine why. We're here to beg for food. This man is going to kill us. Because he can. And all he has to do is say, come and get them, take them away. And they're gone forever. But somewhere in those years that transpired... Well, that was a hard word to get out. <laughs> Joseph knew that God was with him. At some point in those years that passed by, that was much easier to say. Joseph forgave his brothers. Joseph did not wait for his brothers to ask for forgiveness. Sometime in all those years... Joseph decided, i got to forgive my brothers and live my life. At some point in all those years, Joseph realized that, if, that the only person he was punishing by refusing to forgive his brothers was himself. And we need to learn while we're waiting that if we're withholding forgiveness from someone, if we're resenting somebody for what they're doing that we don't want them to do, And we're not forgiving them. We're the only ones who are being punished for that lack of forgiveness. And if you're refusing to forgive somebody, you are the one who is living in the despair. Not that person. Jesus Christ died on the cross to forgive us of all our sins. So that we can be freed from the tyranny of guilt. And so that we can free ourselves from Placing guilt on others. Do not put the chains of unforgiveness on you. Jesus came to break you free from that. And at some point in David's long experience, he knew that God was with him. And this is long before Jesus was even born. We're talking, this is the Old Testament. This has happened even before Moses gave the Ten Commandments to his people. There was no law here telling Joseph that this is who God is and what God was communicating to Joseph himself in all of this. Joseph realized Joseph's brothers didn't bring this message to him 
God brought this message to Joseph. Joseph already knew that God had been with him and working through this waiting time. God was with him as a boy in the pit of the well. God was with Joseph while he strapped him while he was strapped to the trader's caravan being taken to a slave. Joseph God was with Joseph in Potiphar's house and in prison for a crime he never committed and provided the way out of prison. And God gave Joseph the character to be trusted with Pharaoh's administrative duties so that he could free others and give others. God is at work weaving his own plan in Joseph's life and in your life too. So what do we do while we wait? Here's an infographic that is just a, a simple process of what happens while we're waiting. It starts with a desire. A desire is expressed. Let's take a simple example. A little girl talking to daddy. It's afternoon. And she says, Daddy, I'm hungry. Can I have a cookie? That's a good desire. That's a good thing. And when we have desires, we need to express the desire because God created us to desire things. Desire is one of the a, a critical part of being human being. I met a man in my a young man in my last church. He was about 25 years old. When he was 12 years old, he had a fever or something. His temperature spiked so much that it caused brain damage. And the part of the brain that it damaged was the part of the brain that processes his emotions. So after that fever, he could no longer process emotions. He didn't have emotions. You would ask him, "How are you doing?" He'd just say, "Good." How are you feeling? He'd say good. But he didn't he he was taught that when he is asked that question, just say I'm good because he doesn't feel things. He doesn't have desire. You can't say to him, do you want a hamburger? Would you rather have a hamburger or would you rather have a hot dog? He can't answer that question because his brain can't process emotion. Can't process desire. You ask, you ask him, are you thirsty? He said, I don't know. He had to be on a schedule to drink because his brain doesn't, his body can't tell his brain that I desire water. So he has to be on a, a schedule and somebody has to watch for him to make sure that he's getting food because he doesn't know when he's hungry. God gave us this ability to desire things. And it is critical for life. So when we have desires, we have to express that desire. And then somebody has to respond to that desire in our lives. And, and, it's, and there are times when we have to say, yes, that desire is good. And we're talking about desire, so I might as well go where we're all thinking. And that's sexual desire. And yes, God gave us sexual desire. Because life depends demands <laughs> human life depends on sexual desire god said be fruitful and multiply and i'm so glad he gave us sexual desire to make that much more pleasurable <laughs> but we have learned amen we have learned that was a latent amen uh we have learned that we can use our desires for good and we can use our desires for evil. But the desire itself is good. 
So this little girl says, Daddy, I'm hungry. Daddy says, I'm so glad you're hungry. Isn't that good? Cookies really do taste good. They're sweet and, and, and they're good. But we have, to, we have to teach our children to learn to wait. That is critical. And if we don't learn how to wait as children, it is much more difficult for us to learn how to wait as adults. But if we don't learn how to wait as children, we're going to have to learn how to wait as adults. Because waiting is part of life. So somebody has to say to our children, somebody has to say to us as young people, we can't get everything that we want when we want it. We have to learn to wait. And so the child, I I want a cookie. I'm so glad you want a cookie. Let's not have this cookie. Supper's coming up in a few minutes. When my children were young and they didn't understand the concept of time and we couldn't say in 15 minutes we'll have supper, they didn't know what that meant. So we'd say in half an Arthur show. (laughs) Remember the old Arthur? uh, Arthur's still on TV. A little kid's program. It was about half an hour long, 25 minutes. They don't know what 25 minutes is, but I know halfway through Arthur, I can I can get supper. Okay, I can understand that, Dad. I will wait for a cookie. And then the delivery has to come. The good food is going to come. Wherever, whatever age we are, whatever we're waiting for, whether it's healing, whether it's new medication, we're standing in line. This is a good thing to realize, to help us process the time waiting that we're waiting for. So I should have remembered this when I was sitting behind that car. What am I going to do? One of my thoughts was, I know, forgive me for, the, for this thought. As I was waiting behind that car, I thought, okay, maybe I'll, if I had known that there was no car in front of it, I was thinking this on the rest of the way home. What if, what if I had pulled around that car that was in front of me and then pulled in front of it uh, uh, so that I was on top of that sensor? <laughs> thought, oh, what a nasty thing that would have been. I did not do that. And Lord, help me from, keep me from ever doing that because that would just be rude. This is a simple process. This desire gets expressed. We must experience the, a, a, a response from somebody and then a delay. But during the delay, we have to have affirmed the desire, explained the delay is necessary, but set up a timetable for delivery. Help young people, and we need help sometimes getting through until we can receive the delivery. And, and that means we might need other people to help us in this. What are the steps that I have to do before I can get what it is? What are the steps that have to happen? Well, before you can have supper, I want you to go wash your hands, finish the show, finish your homework, whatever. Give them something to do while we do this. As grown-ups, we still need this too. We, we need to remember, what can I do while I'm waiting for this? Well, while I'm waiting for God's healing, I need to do what the doctor told me to do. I need to go to the store, get the medication. I need to take it according to the doctor's prescription. I have to do do this. Have to do this. Have to do this. These are all things. But then, finally, the delivery comes. But maintaining positive contact with visible progress toward delivery. That means as a parent, we we can come back to our child and say, Hey, how are you doing while you're waiting? Well, we get a friend. We said, man, I'm waiting for, for this thing to happen, but I'm having trouble waiting. So let's go do something else and maintain positive contact while we're waiting. But God does this with us also. Because God gives us some things to do while we're waiting. And Jesus put it this way, essentially. Jesus says, while you're waiting for me to come again, 
while you're waiting for me to act in your life, here's what I want you to do. I want you to love God with your whole heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. And I want you to love your neighbor as you love yourself. So we, we, we can't sit in our misery and be angry with everybody else as followers of Jesus. We can't just push people away while we're waiting for, I'm just waiting for this to happen. We're here to love God, love others, with, love God with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. Here are some, some things, that, practical things that we can do. First of all, we can rely upon Jesus while we're waiting. We can confess our need Jesus, I need you in my life. And we can trust ourselves to Jesus. Confess our sins to him. Say, Jesus, I'm so sorry. I want you to be part of my life. Come and live in me so that I can learn how to wait the way you created me and taught me to wait. We can follow Jesus' teachings. Love God by reading Scripture daily, by praying with and for others and worshiping God. That's how we, one way we express love to God. We gather together with brothers and sisters and we say, God, I love you. God, I need you. Let's encourage each other. We love others by telling them how Jesus is good to me. Jesus has forgiven me my sins. Jesus helps me forgive others. Jesus calms me down when I am anxious. Jesus reminds me how how important I am. Jesus reminds me that he has a purpose and a plan for my life and it is not useless. I need to be reminded of that every day because it's so easy in this world to get discouraged and down. We can serve God by using our passions, our skills, our intellect, our spiritual gifts in ministry to help others at home first. Our first place for ministry is right in our homes and at our workplace. Not at church. That's not where God calls you, most of us, to work. This, God has called me to work in the church and to minister in and through the church, but God calls you to minister to your family as He has me and to minister to wherever you work, at school, to whoever's sitting next to you. That's who Jesus is asking you to be kind to. Even if it's homeschool, be kind to your sister, Colin. Ah. We engage our friends and our family in trusting and loving relationships so that they also may experience the life-changing love of Jesus. And communion, what we're going to celebrate in a few minutes, is an experience through which we both show our love of God and God shows His love to us. These are things that we do while we wait. I encourage you to fill out a Connect card if you haven't already. Let us know what's God asking you to do while you are waiting. Let us know how we can pray for you for something that you are waiting for in your life. We'd love to join you. You can fill out a Connect card online or take another Connect card and fill out a second one here if you've already completed one. Before we take communion this morning, let us remember this scripture from Psalm 139. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, a psalm spoken from a human being to God. And this is what the writer says. It says, You, God, made all the delicate inner parts of my body. You, God, knit me, me, together in my mother's womb. God knit you together 
in your mother's womb. And God is not finished knitting you. Physically, perhaps. Spiritually, emotionally, psychologically. In your relationships, God is still knitting you together. Trust that. And so the psalmist writes, Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. I'm going to paraphrase that. God, thank you for making me a mess. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Because your workmanship is marvelous. And how well I know it. So as we come to communion this morning, let's thank God for how wonderfully complex He has created each one of us. And let God continue to weave us and in us what God wants to do so that what others intended for harm, God is weaving together for good. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank You. For loving us. Thank you for giving Jesus Christ yourself come here in human form to us. Lord, in these moments before we receive this sacrament of communion, I want to make sure that we take time. If there's anyone who needs to confess a sin to you, that they would do that in these moments. Lord, I have not trusted in you the way I should. Lord, I have been anxious about this thing. Lord, I have been waiting for this, but I have been trying to work it out in my own ways, and you apparently have a different way to provide whatever it is I'm waiting for. And so, Jesus, I just surrender myself to you right now. I give you this situation. Somebody texted me, one of our members texted me yesterday and said even though the evil one might put rocks in our pathway of life, It's our task to pick up that rock and hand it to Jesus. (laughs) That was such a beautiful message that I received in a text yesterday. And I thanked him for sending it to me because I needed to hear it. These things that we're waiting for, God, are just rocks in our way. We pick them up, Jesus, and we give them to you. And we trust you with them. Thank you, Master Craftsman, for you are weaving good in my life and in our life what others intended for harm. Jesus, you are so kind to us. Thank you. I want to invite you now that if you have your communion elements, if you've got some bread and juice at home, to go ahead and get that. Here in the room, we're not, I'm not going to invite you to come forward. All of, all of us will, will, can reach out and grab one of those uh, little cups. Um, I hear some I hear some rustling. Let's slow down. Let's just just take that and hold it. And I'm going to ask us uh, to wait until I tell you to peel it open, and we'll do this thing together. Maybe you already did. Seal it back up. (laughs) But take that, and I'll walk us through taking communion together. Where did mine go? Team, do you want to do this today, or do you just want to sing? You're going to do that. Let's pray together while we remember what Christ has done for us. We take these little cups your home you've got your bread and your juice there let me pray here heavenly father thank you for this gift that you give to us we remember that night when you were betrayed now let's open up the top part of little cups that we've got here in the room and let's take the piece of bread just hold it for a second in your hand i'll let you get it open you already got it open 
Jesus that night when he was betrayed, he took the bread. And listen to this. Jesus understood what was going to happen to him. He was in a mess. It was very difficult. But even still, Jesus thanked God for this bread. And then Jesus broke the bread. So let's take a little bread and let's break it. Little snaps that we hear in the room. He took the bread. He gave thanks to God. He broke the bread and then he ate it. Holy Spirit, as we receive this, we ask you to pour upon us that this may be your body and your blood given to us in Jesus' name. Now let's take and eat. It's a little wafer. Tastes horrible. Oh, I'm so sorry. I do have gluten-free right here. Anybody else need a gluten-free wafer? Thank you. Here you got my wife. Good grief. What a horrible sin. Take a whole basket. There you go. Thank you. All right. So Carolyn will catch up. Carolyn, you should have just come right up here and grabbed it. (laughs) Thank you. Good. So let's take the cup again. Open up the juice part. I don't know. We used to serve communion a very different way. (laughs) Jesus, we thank you that you died on the cross for us. And Jesus says, whenever you drink this, remember me. So let's drink together and remember what Christ has done for us. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you. And in this simple act of taking this bread and drinking this juice or wine or whatever we have at home, you are giving yourself to us. You're giving us your grace. You're giving us your presence. You're giving us your love. And your love and your work and your power is weaving together for good for those who love you and are called according to your purposes. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I invite you here, if you're in the room, if you can stand together, let's continue. Let's continue to sing as we conclude our service and pray together. If you'd like to come to the uh, altar or the platform area for prayer, we'll put our masks on, you also, uh, and let's pray together. Let's sing and worship God.
Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for allowing us to be here today to be in your manifest presence. Lord, we can feel your spirit in this place. It's a sweet, sweet spirit of the Lord. I hope that those at home can feel his presence. Open your spiritual eyes, for he is there with you. There's nowhere that he is not. There's no place too far for the presence of God to touch and reach you and be blessed by his presence. just want to thank Pastor Roger for that word today. I'll tell you what, if there's anything I need to hear, it's how to wait on the Lord and to be patient. If you appreciated the word from God, from the man of God, could you give him a hand, please? Praise God. And we're also honoring Jesus and his word. Praise God. Hallelujah. Folks, don't just keep that word in your heart. Take it out into the world to all those you meet and just tell them the good word that you heard today. Everybody needs to hear the word of God. It's not just for us. Amen. If there's anybody here today who wants to hear more about Jesus, you might be having a problem in your life right now and you need to talk to somebody and draw closer to Jesus. Please come and talk to anybody here in the ministry, any of our our brothers or sisters who have been serving the Lord and know all about him, like Brother Jim here and his wife Kim and others. They're here to bless you and to help you. Our praise singers, thank God for them. You can talk to them. We ask in Jesus' name that you will go out into the world and tell somebody the good news about Jesus. Let them hear your testimony. Tell them what God has done for you. And to God be the glory. Now unto he who is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forevermore. Amen and amen. Praise God. Have a blessed Sunday and a blessed week. Thank you, sister. Give God some glory. Thank you, Jesus.